Blog Talk Radio. Are you ready for some hot, steamy conversation? <laughs> I don't know about how steamy it is, but <laughs> yeah. Good morning and welcome to Coffee Talk. I'm Soy, host of the fastest growing online talk show where we discuss real topics with real people in real situations. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome to Coffee Talk with Soy, your new morning show where real talk happens every Saturday morning at 10 a.m. I am so excited about our topic today, and I'm even more excited about the phenomenal woman that's in the studio with me, as she has something very inspiring to share. But before we do that, let me remind you to visit our webpage and to download the app. If you haven't done so already, I want to encourage everyone to download the app so that you can have the show right in your hip pocket, never look for us again, never try to remember the number to dial in because you have it right on your phone in your app. So the app name is Coffee Talk with Soy, and you can reach it either Google Play or iTunes. I want you to ask yourself, what is a black man? Over the years, the images of black men have changed. Globally, we no longer see Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, and some of the other common civil rights activists. The images of Al Sharpton and President Obama are becoming more and more distant, and the leaders in our local communities are almost non-existent because they are being challenged and replaced by negative images of men. Some the media put out, and they call them a thug. You see, our black men are lost. We all know that. But what are we going to do about it? The images and visions of positive black men are distorted and broken. So are the homes that they are raised in and the families that they leave behind. The future of black men is in our hands. Each and every one of us have an opportunity to pour into our black men and empower them to believe that the world is in their hands. You see, we are not raising thugs. We are raising thugless sons together. I do believe that. I hope that you believe that too. And I'm going to tell you who does believe it. Our guest who's in the studio with us today. A mother who raised sons. And she wrote a book about it because she wanted to share her experiences with the world. And she's here today to share those experiences with you. So let's welcome to the show the phenomenal Patricia Joseph. Good morning, Patricia. How are you? Good morning, Soy. I'm just fine. Thank you for having me. Oh, my pleasure, my pleasure. I'm excited about having this conversation with you on the air and sharing this information so that people can hear. I'm so inspired by your material, and I'm really inspired by your presence. So tell me a little bit about your background and and where you're from. 
Okay, I was born and raised in uh, Washington D.C. Hey, then that's that's my hometown. <laughs> <laughs> then eventually moved to Philadelphia, which is my husband's home, and we moved to Atlanta, Georgia, in 1997, and we've been here ever since. And I'm a a writer, a a web communications specialist. I'm a contractor at the Centers for Disease Control. And, of course, I'm a a mother of three sons and a daughter, and I've been married for 34 years. Wow. How old are your sons? My oldest son will be 30 in March. My middle boy is 27, and the youngest will be 23 this year. Now, you know it's odd to – no, I'm, I'm not even going to claim that it's odd. I'm going to say that it's almost normal for a parent to have had to experience some kind of tragedy when raising African-American males. We've seen mm-hmm. the media. We've seen how things happen to our males. And even when it's not that they're all guilty – you know, sometimes mm-hmm. they're at the wrong place at the wrong time. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's the right place at the, at the wrong time, and they encounter right. some kind of issue with another person or an officer of the law, as we've seen, where mm-hmm. it it's, it has been tragic. Is that something that you've worried about as a parent of three boys? Boy, all I can think about and raising my sons is the fear that I had on a daily basis. And that fear that I had was born out of the love for them that I was so afraid that something would happen. So it was a constant fear that I had on a daily basis, especially when they became of an age where they were no longer in my presence. They would go out with their friends, and immediately I would start worrying because there are so many negative influences in society that they could get caught up in, and it, it, was, it was constant. It was a constant fear, a constant fear. So what did you tell your children? How did you empower them to protect themselves? What things did you tell them to be aware of or to do or to not do? Did you have to caution them about things repeatedly? Oh, of course. And my discussions with them were nonstop. I I talked constantly, especially when they became of age where the peer pressure was there. They were going out of the house with their friends, and I would say to them, and I was very real with my boys, and my husband was as well. We would talk to them to let them know that you have to be very wise. You have to be very wise about the decisions that you make because one bad decision could change your life forever. And so I advise my boys, I said, I cannot watch you 
24-7, but I want you to remember four words when you walk out that door, do the right thing. And I still say that to them today. And I, I, I advise them that if you don't do the right thing, then you have to suffer the consequences. And so it, it, it was a constant discussion with them about making good choices in life. And that is what I constantly told my son when they were leaving the house to do the right thing and be a be a leader don't be a follower do the right thing i like that do the right thing yes and and, and actually it i'm sorry and actually that is a principle that not only that they can follow when they are out in society but they can apply that principle to every aspect of their life. Do the right thing. If you have a friend, do the right thing by your friend. So it it wasn't just trying to protect them as they went out into society, but I was just trying to empower them with a principle that they could use in every aspect of their life. I, I like that principle. And so your book, Patricia, A Mother's Guide to Raising Douglas Sons, mm-hmm. when did you know that you were going to write this material? I got the idea, actually, six six years ago. Okay. And it was an idea that I sort of stored away, I guess, in my heart, mm-hmm. and but it was a a constant thought because I, I I mean I I just couldn't I couldn't shake it I couldn't shake it I didn't know exactly how I wanted to write the book but I knew that I needed to write the book because of the fact that I thought about young black men, you hear about it on the news on a daily basis, the homicides, the the drugs, the imprisonment, and it actually really weighed heavily on my heart. And I carried that with me, and the inspiration that I got from other adults who knew one of my sons was actually the almost like the catalyst to me wanting to really write this book because I would get the same responses from them. Oh, is that your son? I love him. He's such a wonderful young man. You and your husband have done such a wonderful job with him. And at the time, I never really thought that I had done anything special. And actually, I still don't think that I've done anything special, but the encouraging words from them let me know that this is something that I can actually share with other mothers, that maybe what I have done, maybe they can take a little bit 
of that, and it might help them as well. So let's talk about uh, some of the things that you did do that that you found were um, conducive to where they are now. So let's talk about some of the, what do you think is the most important thing worth sharing that that you did do, or you and your husband did do when when raising your sons. We started early. We started molding and shaping them at a very early age. We didn't wait until they were four, five, and six. We started them when they were toddlers from the moment that they could understand the difference between right and wrong, yes, and no. That's when the molding and the shaping started. So some so, of the things I, I, that parents do that, that that parents do, like so, some of the things that parents may think is they're not old enough to understand or don't discipline them yet, they're not old enough. You started early. Oh, oh, very much so, very much so. And I what did started, that look like in your household? When they were toddlers and they understood the difference between right and wrong. It was teaching them good manners, how to say thank you, and I would give them the same respect as well. I would say, yes, sir, thank you, no, sir. So I actually was an example to them of how you should respect another person. And as they got older, I trained them to be responsible. This is a family. Everybody in this family has a role to play. Mom and dad are responsible for providing for you. Your responsibility is to help with the family chores as well as to get your education. So they, from age nine, they all went into what we call the family boot camp. All the boys at age nine, you learn how to, the oldest, you were responsible for washing and drying your clothes as well as your younger siblings. You had to make the lunches, the school lunches. You had to iron your school clothes and your younger siblings, their clothes, for the next day. So they learned responsibility. And that's how our family operated. You know, I I can really appreciate you having them do it for not only themselves but for each other because I find that a lot of kids today are really, really selfish Oh, very much so. Yeah, and it's kind of like it wasn't mine. I didn't do it, mm-hmm. and so there, there, there is no teamwork with mm-hmm. them. As a matter of fact, you find that there are some siblings that are not even close because there's this competitive edge of it's yours, it's mine. You did it, I did it, and and exactly. and, and it, what they what they what we learn is not to look out for each other. So mm-hmm. I, I really appreciate that. I think that's a that's an awesome idea. So when you and your husband were coming up with these ideas and practices that you would um, place into your home, did was this something that you talked about prior to it, or did you just deal with it as a king? 
actually, it's how the both of us were brought up. Oh, okay. What we are actually doing is it's nothing unique. It, we refer to it's just good old-fashioned child-rearing. I grew up the same way. My mother worked. She would, we had chores to do. We had to do that. She went out to go to work. The chores had to be done before she got home. So a lot, and I actually really do talk about my mother in the book because I admired her for the strength that she gave us because she raised us alone. She was widowed at a very young age. My father died when I was three, so I don't know what it even means to have a father figure, Mm. you know, um, in the house. And, but that did not stop her from teaching us and raising us to become responsible adults. And your your husband, his he grew up in the same similar type of household, correct? Yes, yes. His mother, his mother and father, when they were alive, they had been married for like forty five years, and it was the same. They had chores chores to do. Their the mother was primarily the nurturer, the cultivator. And, of course, the dad there, after a certain age, he becomes, like, the enforcer. So he was, like, the support for his mother. And my husband is it played the same role in my family. Now, when we look at the, some of the issues that we're having with some of the African-American men, at one point it was it was suspected that, Oh, these things are happening because they come out of a household where there's a single parent. And because of the single parent not being able to provide them what they needed, whether it was attention or discipline, these boys will act out or get themselves into trouble. Now we're finding that some of the, these things are happening to kids who have both parents in the household. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What kind of experiences or negative experiences did you encounter when raising your, your three sons? when they did not do the right thing, just because of maybe maturity, their personalities, that some kid, kids are different and they handle, respond to things different. What, what were some of the challenges that you and your family dealt with? Okay, well, we primarily, when the, the boys were younger, we they were pretty much raised in, in Philadelphia. And so Philadelphia is a very challenging environment to raise children because the presence of the drugs and the crime is is pretty much in every in every neighborhood okay and there were times when my sons would bring home friends who I felt were maybe not the right type of friends that they should be associated with. Okay. And that probably was, I guess, the most difficult times for us because we're trying to, you know, when your children have friends, they they don't want to listen to what their parents have, mm-hmm. have to say. Mm-hmm. 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, parents. Okay. You know, we don't we don't know anything. And I, you know, I used to always, I would tell my children something that my mother in law used to tell her children, which is, I've been your age, but you've never been mine. Mm-hmm. So okay. you can't really. I know what you are going to do. Mm-hmm. And there were times that my, you know, especially one of my sons, you know, he came home one day and. I looked at him immediately. I knew something was wrong with him, but of course, you know, he denied it. And I, I knew the boy who he had been with, who was to me was not the right person for him to be associated with because he hardly went to school. Okay. Uh, he smoked weed. Mm-hmm. He drank alcohol. And I said to my son, I don't care what your problem is, but you better work it out because I don't want to have this conversation with you again. I don't think that the person you're associating with is the right person that you want to be friends with. And so it, it, was, it, it was just constant, just constant talking, trying to get the messages over because, like I said, the fear. It was just the fear of them either making a bad decision mm-hmm. or being in the wrong place at the wrong time or being in the right place and doing something wrong. <laughs> and I, I, I just, I, I, you know, I just shake my head sometimes because. There's just so much temptation out there. And it's not to say that, you know, you don't worry. And, you know, because I used to worry about my daughter, too, but in a different kind of way, in a different kind of way than I did with my boys. And, 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 I, and I do believe that I had more discussions with them than I did with my daughter, and they were different types of discussions. I never had a discussion with my daughter about, you know, make sure, you know, you do the right thing because you don't want to go to prison and you don't want to be co- and, and And so, you know, as a mother raising, raising boys, you, I mean, you have those constant discussions and conversations with them. What? Conversation did your husband have with with them when when they were when he was hanging with with this guy that he shouldn't have been with was were, were the two of you coming from the same perspective and he was having the same conversation with him the talking oh oh um, yeah oh yeah definitely yeah. And, and 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 my husband has always been uh, he's he's always been my support okay okay uh, he's he's like the backup and so you know he would talk to my sons reality. Man, you don't want to do that. You don't want to mess up your life like that. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's the right person that you want to be associating with. Don't come home like that again. So most of the time, the discussion would end from my husband. And and and, and were they responsive? Did, did were, oh were they yes, and to listen, or did oh, they just yes. do it outside the home? Very much. Yes, very much so. And 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 that's the thing when when you're raising. Sons and 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 I saw a pattern in each one of my boys. By the time they got to, I'm gonna say maybe around nine or ten, I would have to repeat myself. 
Whereas my husband could say something one time and it's done. So at that point, I knew I would say, honey, it's time. You, you, you've got to take over a little bit more. Because did, they are did, at that. Did you guys ever? Did you did you ever use physical discipline with them? Did you ever just have to like just knock them out? Mm, I could probably just count on my hands the number of times I, I may have maybe hit one of my children because most of the time they would pretty much hear and obey. But and your there, husband you know, never had to use physical discipline. Well, yeah, he had to. Yeah, he had to. When they got older and thought and and probably as tall as he did and thought they were men and yes, yeah definitely I mean I do remember one time that my husband had one of my boys <laughs> kind of like up by his shirt collar <laughs> and just saying man you know you got to get it together you got to get it together and and, and I do believe that after a certain age that. Boys need more interaction with other men. I hear some feedback. So let's start with when you said, I do feel that after a certain age. Yes, I do feel that after a certain age that boys need to bond more with other men. Hmm. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. That's, that's interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And do you share that principle in the book as well? Yes, I do. So let's talk. Let, let's talk a little bit about about the book. This is a, such a great conversation. So the book title is "Raising Black Boys to Men: A Mother's Guide to Raising Beckless Sons." And when was the book published? It was published in uh, December of uh, 2014. All right, so it is available mm-hmm. now, folks. So go out there and 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 get yourself a copy, and be informed as Patricia shares her story. Patricia, tell them where they can get um, a copy of the of the book. Okay, the the book is available on Amazon as well as Barnes and Noble. You can just go there and uh, do a, a search for the uh, the book title, and it's there. And the book title is Raising Black Boys to Men, A Mother's Guide to Raising Thugless Sons. And who is the book attributed to? Any special person or any special situation that kind of makes this book stand out? What Are you, are you speaking in terms of, like, dedication? Yes. It's dedicated to my family because my family is has made me into the woman that I am. It's because of them, my husband, he's always been a supporter. Uh, he's always encouraged me in every endeavor. My children, always my biggest cheerleaders. And so the book is actually dedicated to them. What would you say to a mother out there raising sons, a single mother? What message would you say or information would you provide her if she was listening? The one piece of advice I would give is that don't give up. Don't give up on your son. If you feel that you cannot 
handle him by yourself, if he is, you know, of age, then you need to seek out advice from other men, maybe someone in your family, maybe someone in your church. There is help out there if you feel as though you can't do it by yourself. But for mothers who may be raising toddlers, start early. Don't wait until they are in grade school to decide that now is the time to discipline him. By that time, it's too late. So you need to, to really start early. Patricia, I really appreciate you taking the time to hang out in the studio with me and share your information and sharing your experiences. You know, it, it really takes someone who is very vulnerable to be able to lay out their experiences and share what, what they've done. I, I think that that takes a very strong person, a person who who has believed that what they are doing is definitely um things to be shared for other people. You know, so I appreciate you laying out the foundation of of, of what you did, allowing people to walk in your footsteps and, and, and see your trials and trims and and allow them to work for them. So my hat goes off well, to you. Well Soy, I really appreciate you giving me the opportunity to come and, and share my experience and, and talk about the book with your audience. I really appreciate that. Douglas Sons, the topic of discussion is going to be happening all day long, all day long, not only on the show, but also it's going to be a seminar today to address stereotypes of untreatment of our African-American males. That's right, raising Douglas Sons all day long, y'all. Meet me at the Atlanta Marriott Marquis, if you're in the Atlanta area, 265 Peachtree Center Avenue in Atlanta. The seminar will be today at 1 o'clock p.m. will be in Mezzanine Level Room 303. M303 at the Atlanta Marriott Marquis. In association with Paris Fall 2015, we will be presenting the seminar Raising Southwest Signs. For more information, Google Paris Fall 2015 or visit the website 
www.coffeetalkwithjoy.com. Thanks for tuning in. Have a great weekend, y'all.